Good morning. This is the way. It is so nice to be here today. Welcome. Thank you for being here today. If you're watching online, welcome. If you're listening to our podcast, you are missing out on the best sermon illustration of all the sermon illustrations ever in the world. So all of my nerds, tell them what I am today. Mandalorian, Mando, Dinjarin himself. I have to be honest with you, I'm glad you guys were able to recognize me because I bought this costume, right? I went online, I found one, I took my measurements and did it based off of their size chart. And I was like, I don't normally wear that size, but it's their size chart. I just got to trust them, right? And we get it in and it's like three sizes too big. Right, so I put it on, and Pastor Jeremy said I look like a Mandalorian Ewok. So I wanted to spare you all of that. If you don't know what an Ewok is, you can take out your phone and Google it. And I looked like that in body armor. So that's where we are. I am the Mandalorian. And you know that it's the Mandalorian based on the armor. That's very specific, and it's intentional that Mandalorian wear the same armor. You can um, personalize it a little bit, maybe add some color or your cape or whatever you want to do. But overall, the shape and cut of it is the same. And that's intentional so that when people see you, they know you're a Mandalorian. They don't have to ask. They don't have to question it. And they all wear the same armor, like I said. Mandalorian are typically from the planet Mandalore, and they have this religion called the Way. So that's how they govern themselves and figure out how they're going to be galactic warriors that they are and how they have views on life and rescuing people. So there's lots of different kinds of Mandalorian, but today I want to focus on one particular sect called Children of the Watch. I'll tell you a little bit about them. Children of the Watch are known by other Mandalorians as, quote, a cult of religious zealots seeking to establish the ancient way, right? So they're zealots. Everybody thinks that they're just overbearing whatever who you are. And one of the things that Children of the Watch do is they cannot remove their helmets in front of other living beings. They're by themselves. They need to eat, what have you. They can take it off. But in front of other living beings, they cannot remove their helmet. And that's how they show their devotion to their religion. And that's how they show their devotion to the creed, is that I'm not an individual person. I am a Mandalorian. This is who I am. This is my devotion. So they believe if they take their helmet off in front of other living beings, they can never put it back on. They take it off. They can never put it back on. They're no longer part of the religion. They're no longer a Mandalorian, if you will. So children of the watch view other Mandalorians as not devoted or not real Mandalorians, if you will. So really what it all boils down to between children of the watch and other Mandalorians is you're not a real Mandalorian versus you're just a religious zealot. Take this off now. Catch my breath. It's kind of hard to breathe. Do I have helmet hair? No. I've got to be honest with you. If I was really a Mandalorian, I would just shave my head. Because yeah. I wouldn't be worrying about that. But in a real world example of a religion like that would be Jewish people versus Christian. Jewish people who are stuck on their culture. They believe things the way that how it's always been. And then you have Christians who believe that the Messiah has come. My helmet made my thing fall off. Give me a second. 
So real world common disunion between Jews and Christian. Jewish people who want to stick to their traditions and Christians, again, who believe Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. He's fulfilled the law. So we don't have to be as specific to that. Our man Paul, we've been talking about for the last several weeks, he knows all about that life, right? All about that struggle, if you will. He was a Jewish man by birth and heritage, so he grew up with all those traditions. He grew up learning all of that stuff. As Pastor Josh has talked about, he grew up learning all of that. He was in line to be a religious priest, a religious leader. But then he had an encounter with Jesus, and he had his life flipped, turned upside down. So I'd like to take a minute, if you'll just sit right there, and I'm going to tell you all about how Paul became one of the first Jewish Christians, yeah. right? So a Jewish Christian, right? It's kind of a weird thing to think about. Somebody who was born um, as a Jewish person, so like I said, they want to follow their customs and stick to those traditions as much as they can because it helps them remember where they are in Jesus. But they're Christian. They believe Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. He's died for our sins, right? So a Jewish Christian, like they're going to celebrate Hanukkah, but they're still going to get some Christmas presents too. You know what I mean? Celebrate some Passover, but not afraid to eat some pulled pork, you know, because it's good, right? But Paul knows all about that. Those religious rifts or religious tensions, criticisms, disagreements, if you will, that divide people can split some churches and unfortunately can cause some people to walk away from Jesus, right? So in our scripture today, he talks to us a little bit about a big religious disagreement between Jewish people who want to stick to their customs and Christians. Um, so we're going to read a little bit of it. It is Romans chapter 14, verses starting in verse 1 through 10. It says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live our lives, we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. That's a lot to unpack in that block of scripture. There's a lot going on there. But first, I want to quickly kind of explain to you about food in Jewish culture. The Old Testament was very specific about what people could eat, about what people could not eat, about what you could touch and what you could not touch. 
It was very specific about all of those things. If you ate something you weren't supposed to or you touched something you weren't supposed to, you would be unclean. You would have to go to the priest, give a sacrifice, hope the priest did the sacrifice the right way because you would be blamed for it if he didn't. You might possibly have to be shunned for a few days from your family. You couldn't even be around your family. It was very specific. So Jewish people or people of that culture were very intentional about how they planned their day. They planned their entire lives around food. It was specific because they didn't want to displease God, right? I can identify with that a little bit. Um, I have a specific food plan that I like to follow. It's what I choose to do um, to keep myself fit and healthy and strong, taking care of the body that God gave me. You eat certain kinds of foods and certain amounts. Pretty much it's portion control of the right foods. Okay, um, so I plan my day around food. I, too, plan my life pretty much around food. You can ask Pastor Jeremy if we know we're going to be gone for the day. I usually have a cooler with some food, snacks, um, and I have it all planned out. We're going on vacation. I have foods planned out, uh, all of that stuff. So I can identify with their need to plan their life around food. But then we have the New Testament. Jesus came along, died for our sins, and he said in Acts, that all food was clean and it was fine to eat, right? But it caused a lot of tension, if you can imagine, between people who are wanting to stick to the Jewish culture and Christians, those that followed Jesus, um, or the way, as it was called back then. Um, so it caused a lot of tension. But what Paul is trying to tell us in this passage is, listen, y'all just go have a party. And if you want to eat some barbecue, that's fine. If you want to grill some veggies, that's fine. You don't have to eat this, you don't have to eat that, but we're all at this party together and we're all going to have a good time together is a big point that he's trying to get across. So one of the points I want us to get from this passage is to pick your battles, right? Pick your battle. I'm not talking about the battles of whether my friend is sinning or not, right? If you have a friend that's robbing the store every Saturday night so they can bring offering to the church on Sunday, you might need to talk to them about that. That might be a battle or a conversation that you need to have, right? If you've got another friend that's not feeding their children, that probably is a conversation that you need to have. That's probably a battle that you need to fight. I'm talking about religious disagreements or differences of opinion in how we worship God and how we bring offerings and give our lives to God. The passage talks about um, food, vegetarians versus meat eaters. You know, some of people have the proclivity to be a vegetarian. Some people do not. I briefly mentioned that I follow a specific meal plan. I eat meat. It is not a conviction for me to cut that out of my diet. I like to eat meat. Um, there are specific meats that I prefer over others. I'm not a big barbecue person, much to my husband's dismay. Dismay. Although he did get a barbecue smoker, and I like his because he will pull out all the fat. Anyway, so I, that is not a conviction for me to not eat meat. However, I do have a friend that chooses to be vegetarian. 
Um, it is a religious conviction for her. When she was growing up, she had a lot of illnesses and ailments in her body that God so graciously healed her from. And so it is a conviction for her to cut out meat because she believes that vegetables are better for her body, to take care of her body and worship God, to take care of the things that he gave her. And that is fine. However, if I'm going to have her come over to my house, I'm not going to serve her meat. You know, I'm going to serve her and uphold her convictions that I know is an issue for her. I'm not going to serve her meat. That would be rude. We live in the South, first of all, so that would be rude. And that really wouldn't be godly as well. Um, another religious disagreement that has been big in my life is King James Version versus New International Version, right? This got some people that are KJV all the way. That was one of the first English translations of the Bible. That's where I'm going with it. Thou shalt read King James Version is what they believe. And some people are diehard NIV. Nope, I'm not going to read anything else. NIV. But there are lots of translations of the Bible, right? I personally like the New Living Translation, NLT, because when I read it to study the Bible, that's what's the easiest for me to comprehend. So it's one of those things where, honestly, does it really matter as long as we're reading the Bible kind of thing? Yes, if it's a conviction for you to read King James Version, then yes, read King James Version. If it's a conviction for you to read the Message Translation, then yes, read the Message Translation. What we don't want is to argue and condemn somebody because they're not reading our preferred translation. Another big one that's um, in our culture right now, donkey versus elephant. I'm going to let y'all figure out what I'm talking about, and we're going to move on. Um, differences of opinion and things like that. So you got to pick the battles you want to fight in your faith, right? Pick the battle that I want to stand up for. Is this a religious disagreement that can turn into all-out brawls? You know, we're going to duke it out. We're going to fight over something simple, you know, or, or not. We're going to be careful. We've got to be careful with those. Those can turn into huge disagreements. I've got a few questions for you to kind of help us ask ourselves if this is a disagreement or a hill that I want to die on, or is this something I'm just going to let it go and let them and go from there? One is does it contradict the Bible, right? Does what the other person believe contradict the Bible? For example, going back to what version of the Bible, is it contradictory to read a different translation than what you do? Probably, probably not. Okay. Is it contradiction to eat meat versus not eat meat? No, we read that. It's not. Does it contradict the Bible? If not, do you want to fight this disagreement or do you want to let it go? The next one is, will it cause you or others to walk away from God? Will this disagreement that you have about tradition or the way you want to do things cause you or other people to walk away from God? That's a good question. It's something you got to think about. It may be tradition, and again, it may be a conviction for you, but you standing on that hill, will it cause somebody else to walk away from God because of that disagreement? And another one, this is a big one for me because don't waste my time. Is it a cause that you want to fight for? Is this the conversation you want to have? Because there's a lot of conversations I don't want to have. I'm just be like, whatever, fine. It's not a battle I want to do. My son wants to wear a long sleeve shirt in 85 degree weather. 
fine. I'm not fighting that battle. Whatever. My daughter wants to wear red pants and a pink tutu. Fine. I don't care. I'm not fighting that battle. I know that's a silly example, but is this something that you want to waste your time for? I know for me, if I'm having a disagreement with somebody, my anxiety gets up. You know, I'll lose some sleep thinking about what I'm going to say to them, what next thing I'm going to say to them when I see them in person, or what I'm going to comment on this status. I lose sleep over it. That's all I think about. I can't think about anything else. So is this something I want to spend my time on, right? And then the last one, it's another important one, is do they want to please God? So going back to those different things, differences of opinions, is their heart in it? Do they want to please God? Are they really trying to please God? And we're just doing it a little bit differently. You know, is that a battle that we want to fight? That's a question that will help you figure it out. So the Bible has a perfect example of how we ought not to treat people that we have a different opinion with, right? So Jesus is eating dinner with some people. And this lady comes in and she starts to anoint Jesus. Uh, other translations of it or other versions talk about how she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying them with her hair and anointing them. But let's take a look at it in Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 3. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. So let's pause right there. I don't know what essence of nard is. But it must be a big deal, right? Like, oh, honey, that smells so good. What are you wearing? Essence of nard. It's expensive, apparently. It's expensive. Um, and it must be a good thing. I don't know what it is, but we'll keep going, right? Very expensive, Miss Brenda will tell you. Um, and we will find out how expensive. She had an alabaster jar of beautiful, expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head, over Jesus' head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages, Miss Brenda, and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Amen. So this woman, other versions of, in the Gospels talk about how she had much sin that needed forgiving, right? So this lady had a lot going on in her life, but God forgave her. Jesus forgave her. So the whole point of this story is she took this year's wages worth of perfume to anoint Jesus and show him how much she loved him. She poured her heart out to Jesus to show him that she loved him, right? But the other people that were at the table weren't necessarily wrong, right? Like taking care of the poor, we're supposed to do that. The Bible tells us to take care of the poor, right? And take care of, of the elderly and the widowed and the orphans. And I don't know how much you make in a year, 
But that seems like it's a lot of money, right? Okay, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of homeless people that you can help. That's a lot of orphans that you can fund. That's a lot of meals that you can give out to people. So that's not necessarily a bad thing that they wanted to do with that. But they were wrong because she was doing it at a heart, out of a heart to worship Jesus and give us a sacrifice to Jesus. So that's where they were wrong of judging her for how she's worshiping Jesus. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know where they are in their relationship with God. We don't know where they are in their life. We don't know what's going on with them. And so how can we judge them if God accepts them where they are, right? Now, the Bible does call us to judge each other by our fruits. That's what it says. It's like it says, care for the poor and care for the elderly and all that. The Bible calls us to judge each other by our fruits, but it doesn't cause us to lose unity over our disagreements, right? So I got a story for you. I grew up in church my whole life. Daddy was a preacher. We were always at the church. But it was not this kind of church where there were toys in the back for the kids to play with, right? Or an area in the back where they could go run around and you know that they were pretty safe back there. It wasn't a fun place to really hang out. You sat in the pew and that's what you did. You sat in the pew. It was to the point where if I was like, oh, Daddy, I don't feel so good. I can't go to church today. Throw up and prove it, right? And then if I did throw up, it would be like, oh, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. <laughs> we were always at the church. But I didn't really start having a heart to worship God until I was an adult living on my own in my early 20s. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I like to sleep. It's one of my hobbies. Yes, I like to take naps. Sleeping is what I do. If I gave you a list of things that I enjoy doing, sleeping would be on the list, right? I enjoy sleeping. So I had given my heart to Jesus, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up early, okay? I'm going to set my alarm 15 minutes early. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible a day. And I'm going to take some notes, and I'm going to pray and see how I can apply that to my day and learn more about Jesus, right? I knew new stuff because I grew up in church, but I really wanted to know God. So one chapter a day, and I was good at it. I was consistent. I got up every day for two weeks. I was really proud of myself. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up 20 minutes early and, and add another chapter. Or maybe I'll read another chapter before I go to bed. You know, I was trying to grow and learn more about Jesus. And I visited this church, and the pastor from the stage said, if you are only reading one chapter of the Bible a day, you're not a true devoted Christian. And I probably don't have to tell you how heartbroken I was after that. My heart was shattered. Um, I was raised in the South, so I wasn't going to be rude and get up in the middle of his message. But I can promise you I didn't listen to another word he said. Right? He ruined that relationship and ruined what could have been... Um, a dedicated member of his church, right? But that broke my heart, and I had to seek other counsel because I felt like I was doing good. That's where I was in my faith. I was reading one chapter a day, and I was really trying to apply it to my life, but that's where I was, and I was made to feel guilty that I, my relationship was less than because I wasn't reading more. Now, if you're reading 10 chapters of the Bible a day, amen. Praise God for you. You're taking the time to put all of that word into your spirit and acting it out, and that is awesome. But if you're reading one verse a day, amen for that. I'm proud of you for getting up and taking the time to put that word in your spirit and apply it to your life, right? We cannot judge each other where we are in our Christianity, you know, because some people are new to this. 
Like, I know I had grown up in church my whole life, but reading consistently every day was a new thing for me. So we can't judge people where they are in their life. We've got to go back to those questions. Is it contradicting the Bible? Is their heart in it? And do you really want to judge somebody because they're reading less of the Bible than you? At least they're reading it kind of thing. And another example, I like The Mandalorian. If you haven't figured that out, I'm a fan. I like The Mandalorian. It's a good show. Um, I don't know everything there is to know about the Star Wars universe. If I'm being completely honest with you, I haven't even read all or seen all the movies. Being completely honest with you. Um, I didn't get Star Wars, didn't understand it, didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then we went to Disney World and I rode the Millennium Falcon and I was like, I've got to watch The Mandalorian. So I watched it and now I'm intrigued. I want to know more, right? I've started watching the movies, the OG ones. Need some work, but they're still good. Started watching them. They're, they're great. I want to know more. The Mandalorian show is awesome. It's intriguing. It's caught my attention. It pulls on my heartstrings because Mando is Grogu's daddy. That's Grogu's daddy. He's Grogu's daddy. He's taking care of the baby Yoda, and that's Grogu's daddy, and I want to know more, and I can't wait until the next episode comes out. But it's also intrigued me to grow and know more about other Star Wars things. So I've started that avenue of looking in all of that. And that's how it can be with Christianity, right? We've kind of talked about it a little bit. Is Some people are new to this. Some people are new to the whole idea that there is a God to begin with. And now I've got to read this book to tell me how to live. And I've got to change the way that I do things, right? So I'm going to start slowly. It's a big culture shock sometimes to do that. That's how it is with Christianity. We can't judge somebody because they don't know everything there is to know about Jesus when they're starting out. We can't judge them because they don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. I'm just going to go ahead and, and clear that out of your minds. I am not a religious scholar. I don't know everything there is to know. But we're constantly growing and learning and trying to better ourselves. So pick your battles. Because honestly, do you want to have the responsibility in your mind knowing that you made somebody fall away from Jesus or, or tone down their love for Jesus because you criticized them on how many chapters of the Bible they read or which version of the Bible they read? Again, this is not to, to hound on you guys. This is one of those messages that God was working on me too when I was doing it. But just something to think about. Pick your battle. Is this a religious battle and a religious disagreement that you really want to to go with. So the next thing I want us to talk about from this chapter in Romans is love all, serve all. If you've been around Eastgate for any amount of time, love all, serve all is kind of like our motto, right? We're going to love everybody that comes into our building, no matter who you are, where you've been, what your past is like. We are going to love you and we are going to serve you. We're going to continue reading in Romans chapter 14, start in verse 12 this time. It says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. 
then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve God with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything if it might cause another believer to stumble. Let y'all think on that because we could go home after that, right? This is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because I feel like it tells us exactly how to be a Christian. You know, love God, accept that he died on the cross for us, ask him to forgive us, and this is how we need to treat people. And there you go. That's Christianity for you, in my opinion. It's not difficult. It's easy thing. Everything we do has to be out of love, right? One of the hardest things as a parent, I know not everybody is a parent, but one of the hardest things as a parent is to think about who's going to take care of my kids if I die. What's going to happen to my kids? Nobody's going to love them the same way that I do. Nobody's going to take care of them the same way that I do. Who's going to take care of my kids? Having to decide that, right? And that's how God feels about all of his children. And so we need to take care of his children as we want God to take care of us, right? So everything we do has to be out of love. That's why we've got to go back and pick our battles. Because am I showing people how much God loves them by how I treat them? Am I showing people how much God loves them by how I act in a situation? Am I showing people how much God loves them by how I respond in a situation that I don't agree with? Kind of thing. Everything we need to do needs to be out of love. So Pastor Jeremy and I have been married for 13 years. Um, 13 wonderful years. I'd only trade out a couple of them. You know, just kidding. Just kidding. They're all amazing. I wouldn't trade any of them. But when we first started dating... <laughs> When we first started dating, Pastor Jeremy watched a lot of scary movies, horror movies, if you will. He found them humorous. He thought they were funny because it is not real life. So he watched a lot of them. It was not a conviction for him. He owned a lot of horror movies. He watched them. That was his fun pastime, making fun of horror movies, right? That's what he did. I did not. I didn't like scary movies. I still don't like scary movies, like horror movies. And it was a conviction for me. It wasn't just a personal choice. I didn't want to watch scary movies. It was a conviction for me not to watch scary movies because I felt like they brought a spirit of fear into my heart. And when I have a spirit of fear, my anxiety would rise. My depression would rise. I would lose sleep at night thinking about all of this. My life would slowly spiral out. Um, that's what fear does to me. And having those shows in front of my mind and in my mind brought that spirit about. So it was a conviction from God on my life to not watch those things. But not for Pastor Jeremy. He thought they were funny. So he and I had a conversation. We were seriously dating. And I was like, listen, I can't watch these horror movies. And I need you to stop talking about them or not have them playing when I come over because... This is why. It's a conviction for me. It is a sin for me to watch these movies or look at these movies and these things. And he said, okay, I want to respect that. So 
So he stopped watching them if I was around. He kind of put them up out of sight. So he knew I was coming over. He wouldn't talk about, oh, man, I watched this movie the other day, and these people ran up the stairs with a bad guy in the house. No, he wouldn't talk to me about that kind of stuff. He, he didn't, and we stopped um, having conversations about that because he wanted to honor my conviction, right? And even take it a step further, and we finally got married. We moved in together, combining all of our things. We had another conversation of, Jeremy, we can't even have these movies in our house. It's not just a matter of watching them and having me see them and get into my mind. I can't even have them in my house because just thinking and knowing that they're here brings on that spirit of fear. So they cannot be here. I cannot have that. And he said, okay. And he got rid of all of his movies. Lots of money in movies because, you know, they're not cheap, right? I don't know what he did with them, threw them away, gave them away, whatever. But he wanted to honor my conviction, not just because he loved me as his wife, but he wanted me to be able to not have fear and not stumble in the conviction in a sin that God had told me to do. That's what we're talking about here. That's what Paul is trying to say is honor your friends. If there's something that's a conviction for them and it's not necessarily wrong, but they feel it is, then it's wrong, especially if you keep bringing it up to them. So that's what he's talking about there. Proverbs 18, verses 19 through 21 says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences, right? So what that is saying is, again, you offend a friend because you told them they were wrong in a conviction that they had, you're not going to win them back. Just like that pastor, I never went back to his church. Don't listen to him. Somebody brings it up. I keep my mouth closed because I don't want to say anything bad, but there's not a lot of respect there, if you will. And that's something I'm working on praying through, if I'm being honest with you. But that's how it is. Offending our friends and offending fellow believers over a difference of opinion and something simple like that could cause people to fall away from God, and we don't want that. So the final point that I want us to get from this passage in Romans today is keep the peace, right? You will go crazy worrying about other people and every detail of their life and everything they got going on in theirs. Get off of Facebook for five minutes and your peace will immediately come back, right? You will go crazy worrying your mind and your heart about other people, right? Like, like I talked about earlier, if I've got a disagreement with somebody, I'm getting ready for them to comment so I can comment back. Or the next time I see them in person, I'm thinking about it. My peace is gone. The anxiety is up. I'm losing sleep, trying to write down the next thing I'm going to say so I don't forget it. Just write it down where exactly it's in my head so I don't mess up my words, right? Like, my peace is gone. So living in peace is not just peace between me and you or you and a friend. It's your own peace as well. That includes peace with yourself. So Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So keep the peace with yourself, not just with others. Romans 12.18 says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Again, that includes living in peace with yourself, guarding your heart from anxiety and that bitterness. You ever been bitter with somebody because they disagree with you and you lost the argument? 
or they're standing firm in, in what they're believing, guard your heart, keep your own peace from that bitterness and that anxiety. One more quick story for you before we close. I've been working out. You can't tell because my armor covers it up. Uh, but I've been trying to be fit and healthy, right? I've been trying to work out, take care of my body. i got to take some of this armor off. I'm not a real Mandalorian. Um, but I'm trying to work out. And so I'm doing this new exercise routine. And the instructor's name's Megan. It was recorded, so I'm watching a playback, right? And it's this move we're doing. It's a very difficult move. There's other people on the team that were there with her. And we were doing the move. It's quiet, and you can hear everybody grunting. And they're like making noises, trying to get through. And I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh, Megan, I'm saying some not nice things about you in my head as I'm doing this move, right? And then she jumps up out the middle of nowhere and comes up on the screen, and she says, okay, guys, this move is tough, but you are tougher. And this weight is heavy, but you are stronger. Don't let the weight control you. You control the weight, I promise you. I was hollering at this girl at the TV. I almost dropped the weight on my face. I was like, Megan, you're preaching. You don't even know it. Preaching. Because life is tough, but Jesus is tougher. You are tougher. The weight of the world and the weight of other people's opinions on your shoulders is heavy. But Jesus is stronger, and you don't have to carry that, right? Don't let the weight of the world and the weight of other people's disagreements and opinions control you. You control your life. You control what you do. And so after that move, she goes over to one of the guys, Matt. She's like, Matt, how much were you lifting? And he said, I was lifting 25 pounds. And first of all, I was like, okay, Matt, whatever. But the whole team went crazy. They were like, Matt, that's amazing. They were hollering. It was a whole thing. They paused the workout. Um, to celebrate Matt lifting 25 pounds because last week he had lifted 20. And so now he was doing 25 and his weight and his form was on point. And then she goes over to Lacey, the modifier, my spirit animal, uh, or my spirit sister, if you will, because I follow her. Anyway, she goes over to Lacey and she says, Lacey, how much were you lifting? And Lacey said, Megan, I was lifting 10 pounds. And the team goes crazy celebrating Lacey because she lifted five pounds last week and this week now she's lifting 10 and her form was perfect. So the team were celebrating Matt and his 25 pounds and Lacey and her 10 pounds because they have improved from last week and that's where they are. That's where they were in their workout. And that's how we need to be with our fellow Christians and our fellow believers is celebrate where they are. Are they growing? Is their heart to please God? Then do our disagreements really matter? Do we want to go to our grave and do we want to get to the end of our lives knowing that we possibly caused somebody to walk away because we disagreed with them over something that really doesn't matter, if we're being honest? Every single day, my kids get up and they fight over what color cup they're going to get. It's the same cup, same exact cup. It's just different color. Still going to put juice in it still going to give it to them they argue like 10 minutes and they're like let's switch lids so you have the blue lid and i'll have the blue cup and i'll have the red lid and you have the red cup like it's a whole thing like they're arguing trying about to hit each other sometimes they do over what color cup they're gonna get and i'm like y'all i'm still gonna give you juice it doesn't matter what color cup you're gonna get and so that's sometimes that's these disagreements that's what it's like 
okay? Again, I'm not talking about big sin issues. I'm talking about little disagreements and what we're going to eat, what we're not going to eat, what version of the Bible we're going to read, how much of the Bible we're going to read, what day of the week we come to church. Those little things that can cause somebody to fall away, just like our, just like Paul talks about in this chapter. So I encourage you guys to celebrate others and their accomplishments. Lift them up. Encourage them to lift heavier. Encourage them to grow, but don't condemn them. So in closing, that's what I want us to remember today. Remember our time together. Keep the peace with others, with yourself. Most importantly, love all, serve all, and pick the battles that you want to fight. Do you want to waste your time on this, or is it something that you need to stand your ground on? We cannot let our differences of opinions and how we worship God cause other people to fall away. That's what we cannot do, absolutely. It doesn't matter the color of cup because you're still going to get the juice, right? So um, will you stand with me as we pray? Some of us here, maybe you are dealing with some religious disagreements and rifts with other people in your life. Maybe they are judging you for how much of the Bible that you read or what day of the week you come to church, what you're eating, and that's caused a tear in the relationship. Or maybe it's caused you to walk away from God a little bit, and you've got some bitterness, some hurt, anger in your spirit. Or maybe it's the other way around. You know, Maybe you have been taught your whole life, this is how it's done, we can't change it. And so you've told that to other people, and in reality, it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. So I'm going to pray for you all. If we'll bow our heads and close our eyes before we dismiss, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and, and share your word. And for those that are here in person, anybody that's watching online or listening to our podcast, I thank you for all of them. And pray for everybody, God, that you would cleanse our hearts of, of any bitterness or hurt or anxiety towards others or ourselves for disagreements that we've had and anything that we've caused anybody to fall away for. I pray for forgiveness for others, forgiveness of ourselves, wisdom to know when to stand our ground, and wisdom to know when to shut our mouth. We ask for wisdom to know when to ask forgiveness and when to give forgiveness. We thank you for all you've done and who you are, fulfilling the law, cleansing our hearts, and letting us worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.